Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can I suggest you shut up and show more football? Come on, come on. Pick it, pick it. We've done that thing. Can we not knock it? I am flabbergasted. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> Again, don't, please don't call me arrogant because what I, I'm saying is true. I'm a, I think I'm a special one. When the seagulls follow the troll, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you. I understand what I'm trying to get at. Yes, he was a great player. Yes, he was a wonderful leader. But he wasn't a magician. I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. I'm Richard Keyes. Oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, I, I wasn't paying attention, Richard. Ready? All right. Do I start again? No. Okay. Well, I am Andrew Gray. Great. Okay. And uh, there is no Nigel de Jong. No, not at all. No. Where is he? No. No, it's like, I've been a good start today. <laughs> I've been discombobulated by the news that little mix have broken up. <gasps> You're joking? I, I, no, it was like hearing that Elvis had died again. Was it really? I was in pieces this morning. Were you a big little mix fan, were you, fella? Not really. No? But it seems to have made headlines everywhere. And, well, and... we do. You're too old to worry about little mix. Yeah. You've got to get down with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a way for the day to start. Yeah. When that popped up this morning. Not good. Terrible. Um, anyway, Nigel's not with us. He's uh, he's elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think we could say too much about his no. actual location, really. No. He's elsewhere in the world pursuing a new career. Yes. Yes. That's fair to say. Yes, and we wish him well. We do wish him well, but we also wish he was here. Yes. Uh, a little more often. <laughs> yes. And when he does turn up, he's pissed. Yes. You won anyway. last week, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, this is Keys and Gray, the podcast. You can follow us, of course, on Insta and Twitter at Keys and Gray Pod. There we are. Now, I thought this week we'd be a little more serious than perhaps we have in previous mm-hmm. episodes. Um, there are three football clubs that you look at. Well, there are four, really, if you include Manchester United. But they've at least taken a step to address mm-hmm. their issues. And Ralph Ranyuk talking Friday morning um, uh, through through through. Uh, through a spanner in the works when he said, I, I, I might recommend to the board that I stay on. <laughs> I thought he'd already agreed to have a two-year deal after he's finished. <laughs> well, he's there for six and a half months as interim manager. Yeah, yeah. But if things go well, uh-huh. he's decided that he might recommend that he stays on. Do you not think Manchester United, through all the um, indecision that they've had, through all the uncertainty of recent months, would like 
something more certain than I might do this and I may do that? Well, I don't think they've got anything certain at the moment. And if it goes well, it's the same question I think everybody's asked, in fairness, about this interim appointment. Mm -hmm. It might go very well. Yeah, it might. And then it might be the right thing to say, carry on. But it can't be based on the hysteria of, uh, of a, a penalty that they shouldn't have had in a Champions League game. <laughs> um, because from day one, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was not the right man no. to manage Manchester no. United. And ultimately, that view will be proven to be yeah. correct by the amount of interest there is in him mm -hmm. elsewhere now. Yeah. Who is going to appoint Solskjaer as their next manager? A bit interesting one. Very. The well, answer is... Not many. Nobody. No. No. Really, at the but highest what if, level. What if Ranić comes in and has the, the, the Tuchel effect on Manchester well, then, United? What if he took them to the Champions League final and they won it? Then you would have to say his, 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 his he stays. application for the job is, is irresistible. Sealed. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways you could argue that perhaps Manchester United have been quite smart because Tuchel didn't get the job initially, did he? Didn't he? He was only there originally on a very short-term deal, really? which was renewed after the Champions League. Let's not forget that Ranić also turned that opportunity down, yeah. saying that he didn't think he could have an impact in four, four months. months. Well, now he's got to have an impact in... Six months. Yeah. Six and a half months. So, yeah. um, perhaps he's also learned a lesson that yes, when these has. big clubs come calling, you don't say no. There's and that's where I would defend Solskjaer. He had to take it. Of course he he just should never have been offered it. I mean, it's like David Moyes. We talk about David because he's a pal of ours as well, and we, and we like David. But he's also a very, very good manager, as he's proven yet again at West Ham. But we, you know what it's like? T taking over from a legend at a football club is a really difficult job to do. Mm. Being the first in after Ferguson, being the first in after Wenger, were always going to be difficult jobs, hugely difficult jobs. And, and, and I think that had David... Let's had someone else gone in and then David Moyes gone in. I think David Moyes' United career might have been very Agreed. different. Or if Manchester United had been a little more understanding, mm. I was hopeful that he would end his tenure there at the end of 10 months because he was he was getting beaten up so badly. I don't think he had any support no. from, from, from within the dressing room. Probably One not. or two very high-profile players turned their backs on him mm -hmm. and others just ridiculed him, as we remember Hernandez doing. Uh, shouting yeah. from the dugout, yeah. send him off send when he got off. into trouble in the yeah. Champions League game. Yeah. So I don't think Moisey had a very fair crack at no, it he didn't. at all. So we, we, we shall never know. No. What we do know is that he is a very good coach. Yeah. And he always has been yes. a very good coach. Well, 11 years at Everton showed that. Um, I also repeat what I said on being Sports the other night. It's important, I think, for English football to have a strong Manchester United. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think we, we don't, sit as fans do mm -hmm. hoping that that's not the case yeah. we want it to go well so yeah. I wish Ranić well and I wish Manchester United well and I hope that they come out of this malaise that they've been in for a decade oh they should I mean there's absolutely no reason when you look at the uh, the, the group of players that they've got there Keezy that um, they should be contesting major titles, both mm. at home and abroad. Oh, by the way, when Ranić talks about titles, I think there's a misunderstanding yeah, there no. in the British press. Yeah, no titles British are yeah. cups. Cups as well. As well. Yeah. That's what Mourinho always talks about, titles. Yes, yes. And then we leap on them and go, oh, you said you'd win the title. No, no. no. Nice, nice. League Cup, League FA League Cup, League, League, that's included. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that wasn't really where I expected the conversation <laughs> to go. <laughs> so I was talking about Derby County, yes. who are in meltdown. Great credit to Wayne Rooney for staying although he continues to draw a huge salary from funds that they no longer have. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I am of the opinion that perhaps were he to say, look, 
I'll just stay now until we get this sorted out and then someone please make a decision. But I can't justify any more mm -hmm. earning the sort of money that I am out of the club. Or, I think he's quite financially secure enough to yeah, be able to do I that. I think he's in a position whereby that can be the case. Mm -hmm. So Craig Hope, um, sports reporter on the Daily Mail mm -hmm. for the North East. This is where it gets uh, interesting for Newcastle fans. North East, you're taking a chance here, aren't you? <laughs> Not at all. Quite <laughs> happy to talk about it. Craig wrote a piece this week talking about how close Derby are actually to folding. Mm -hmm. So I thought, that's interesting. He was due to join us last week, Craig. He was coming to Qatar for a pre-World Cup hunt right. a, a, around the area. And it would yeah. have been a hunt because he'd have been searching for, oh, he would have been. for yeah, all yeah. sorts. He would have uh, unfortunately, COVID stopped that happening. So I thought, why not bring Craig, who's mm -hmm. right now, uh, we're recording Friday morning at a Eddie Howe press conference. Okay, He, more than anybody, knows what's happening or has happened at Newcastle United. So there's Derby Newcastle, which Craig can cover, and we shall talk with him shortly. But there's also Everton. Mm -hmm. A thoughtful and considered appraisal from you, please, on what's happening at Goodison. Wow, where do you start at Goodison? Um, first of all, what I would say is like, uh, the demise that's that's happened and the problems that Everton are in are not, do not solely lie at the feet of Rafael Benitez, okay? Um, yes. They don't. I've said for many years now, Richard, that, um, and I, I find it difficult to, to, to hammer the owners the way that lots of fans have in respect to have the owners of the club put their hands in their pockets and have they given whoever it is, the coaches or Marcel Brands or Steve, Steve Walsh. Walsh, have they said to them, yes, here's the money for the players you're recommending? Yes, they have. I, 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 th I think that's a little unfair on Brands and Walsh. Why? Because I don't believe that they are solely responsible no, no, I'm saying that for the group managers, of players that have arrived. The responsibility to where Everton are with players is down to the managers and, co and, and, and uh, directors of football that they've had in, particularly for the last five stroke six years. Because money has been there. Money has been spent. Over 20 players, 20 in the last five years, have cost Everton 20 million plus. 20. You see, if I didn't know better... The owner is Russian. Yes. Yeah. And he spent a lot of money. Yes. It, it's a sort of formula that has happened elsewhere in uh -huh. the Premier League. Uh -huh. um, why? Well, hopefully because he wanted Everton to be successful, didn't he? Why are you laughing like that? People can't see you. Why? <laughs> that would be... A lovely thing to believe. Well, hold on. It's what every Evertonian believed when he took over the club. Of course. Including myself. That this was great at last. Proper money to invest. Proper money to invest in players that can take Everton back to where I and all Evertonians believe should be at least in the top six of the league every year. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So <laughs> no. we, were, we were disillusioned, were we? No, no. I, Stupid. I just, naive. I just, I, I, no, I think you do what football fans do. You believe mm. in what you're presented with. Why have Everton spent so much money on so many ordinary players? And the owner now, in my view, uh -huh. and I say that with, with, with some authority because I right. do know an individual in this part of the world uh -huh. who's been offered the club. Uh -huh. Really? And, and the deal broke Hold down. Hold on You've just told me that. That's just happened just 10 seconds ago, you tell me that. Uh, well, no. 
the 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 problem was that that as well as purchasing for five hundred mil, mm -hmm. he had to put another five hundred mil down to finish the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Usmanov has lost interest, in my view. Mashiri is not the man with the money. No, he's not. He's the man that I think we know that steers the club. Mm -hmm. Bill Kenwright has lost total control. Was it's very much against the, the appointment of Benitez. Now I agree with you. It's, all of this cannot be placed at the door of Rafael no, Benitez. No, it can't. But in appointing Benitez, they only made matters worse for themselves. Yes, they did. And 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 this sore will not heal until somebody relieves Listen, him of of his post. Richard, the, the the appointment of Benitez divided a fan base. Divided a fan base. I'm not saying that everyone felt like me. And and let me let me state again. My reasons for not wanting Benitez were not wholly that he'd managed he'd managed Liverpool, he'd called Everton a little club and this, that and the other. No, they weren't. My my reason, main reason was that Rafael Benitez in the last five or six years of his managerial career, since he left Liverpool basically, has been sliding. He's been getting older. He's in his 60s. Everton tried a 60-year-old with a great reputation last time out in Carlo Ancelotti and it didn't work, right? And Well... It didn't work. Well, it didn't work. It, it, it didn't work what, the way they wanted. Well, I, I'm not sure. I think it depends. Did did he have them competitive for a while? Yes. yes. Did he win a derby match, which was the dream of a generation that hadn't seen that yes. happen? Yes. 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 Um, I I think he did okay. He did okay, but it, with what he had, it wasn't spectacular. What? But what I'm saying is, when when Rafa Benitez's name was thrown up, I'm thinking, no, we can't we can't do that because Rafa's at the end of his managerial career, not the beginning, not the beginning. So that was the main reason why I didn't want Rafael Benitez. Plus the fact that having watched his football at, at Newcastle for how many years he was there, I didn't want to see that at Everton. Pragmatic, defensive, everyone behind the ball, just playing counter-attack football every now and again. No. You see, it's a grand old club to play for. And the end of that opening uh, verse is we play beautiful football. Yeah. Well, well, we don't. You don't anymore. We don't, and we don't, and we never would have done it. We never will do. I don't think under Rafael Benitez. Absolutely not. So that that was the reason I didn't want him there. Kind of come, and you know, partly was because of Everton. But let me tell you something about ex Liverpool. Do you know if Everton had, had had sort of gone up and and said to Steven Gerrard at Rangers when he was at Rangers, we want Steven Gerrard to come and manage. And Steven Gerrard went, yeah, I'm, I want to do well, that. He's an Evertonian. Well, what I'm saying is, Richard, I would have, I would have liked that. I would have been all behind that because Stephen Gerrard's at the beginning of his managerial yeah. career, and he's young and he's ambitious and he's all those things that you want in a coach. I would, I would have been supportive of Stephen Gerrard getting the Everton job Me way too. before Rafa Benitez. The last, by the way, the last sixty-year-old that Everton had that might have taken the club, not in the direction I don't think he was ever going to to achieve making them as competitive as your team were. No. But they pulled the rug out from under Sam and gave it to Marco Silva. Yeah. Another no. catastrophic mistake. Yeah. Well, Sam was never accepted, was he really? From day one. Well, he's never been accepted anywhere. anywhere. And yet what yeah. job has he not done? No, I know. Other than the one and at he, West Brom. And he had, he had Everton fifth. Uh, eighth. Eighth. He had Everton eighth. I know. So that's my reasons for not wanting Rafa Benitez. But if we go into the, the, the plight of the club right now, that are the playing of what we saw the other day, is Rafa Benitez responsible for uh, setting up tactics? Yes. Is he responsible for picking a team? Yes. Is he responsible for dictating? As, as we've heard from Ranić, the, the job of a coach is to put your... We did it on our show at BN Sports yesterday. The job of a coach is to put your thoughts, your ideas into the players and make them believe. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know what Rafa's thoughts 
and philosophy is, he is in charge of right? substitutions. If you've got well, one bang ordinary aging centre forward that should never have signed for the football club injured, you've got another that cost you twenty million quid who's, who can't be any worse than the one that's coming off. Why not just put one on for one? Why why start to try to get clever in in order to create uh, more confusion? I think amongst the players rather than uh, find a solution to what was happening the other night. No, I mean it. It, it, it took off to Marigree um, when the game was probably done. And maybe he did that for a reason, I don't know, just to protect him a bit for the next game that's coming up. I don't know. But you're talking about Rondon coming off and not putting on Czech Tosun. Yeah. As a, who is a front man, although he hasn't contributed much to Everton over the years. Uh, but I know what you're saying, one for one, it would have seemed it, but he tried to switch things up and put Decore as a number 10 or just off the front and play like that. Uh, and it never worked. And it was a bad night. Anyway, all, all I was but going to say... to you is, do I believe another coach could get a better tune out of Everton? Absolutely, I do. Yes. Absolutely, I do. The, uh, the, the, the straw to cling to is that uh, history often repeats itself. I remember watching Everton in front of 12,000 at different times. I, played, I also I, remember I Dave Kidd in the mirror today reminded me that the age-old protest at Goodison used to be in, in the big main stand there. Mm -hmm. right. They used to have cushions on the seats. Did they? And when they didn't like what they were seeing, they used to throw the cushions. No, a bit like the <laughs> white hankies at Madrid. Yes. So Bob Latchford, I, I was there. Wow. I remember seeing Bob pick one up and throwing it back. <laughs> it uh, I didn't realise that. They don't have the cushions anymore, so that protest is not available to them. No. But, but from that era, I'd left and I'd gone to Manchester mm -hmm. by that time, but Howard created the very best team that Everton had ever seen. Mm. And and I, I say that with some confidence, despite the fact that Ball, Harvey and Kendall were not in it. No, I know. Uh, but the Holy Trinity. But that was the most successful yeah. team in Everton's history. And it came from a period like this. Yes, so it did. maybe. No, but, maybe. But again, I go back to what I was saying to you. I go back, that was a team driven by a young vibrant Howard Kendall, a young, vibrant Colin Harvey, mm. who all had massive ambitions, who were Evertonians. Mm who knew the club, who loved the club, who breathed the club, who wanted success for the club beyond anything else. That was driven by those two to do that at a young age, mm. not by a 60-plus manager who's had, in my opinion, has had his best days. I'm sorry, but he's had his best days. Is Rafa Benitez going to take Everton where I think we should be? No, he's not, in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong, Keezy. And let me state that right now. Nothing would give me greater satisfaction than to be sitting with you at the end of this season when Everton have clawed their way back into the top six in this league and are beginning to show a little bit of what we think Everton are about, but I don't think it's going no, to happen. No, I, I think he's been hampered by a, a, a shocking uh, a list of injuries, hasn't he? <laughs> Do you know what? I was reading today, again, about the awful injury list that they've had. And yes, and one thing I hate is, I hate coaches that blame injuries. You never hear the top coach blame an injury. Not really, not really. Um, I read today that, um, you know, when Yerry Mina started the games at the beginning of the season, but uh, they conceded 1.18 goals and after Mina's injury, it was like 1.8. Funnily enough, I would expect us to have quite a good record against Norwich. Uh, Burnley, uh, Brighton, who can't score goals, as we've seen, and was the one other. Southampton. And Southampton, who were having a shocking time. I would expect the defence to play quite well against them. But when they start throwing in the better teams, the bigger teams, do you think Yerimina would have stopped them scoring? Do you think Yerimina would have stopped Watford smashing in five against us 
at Goodison? No, he wouldn't. I'm not sure he would get in. I don't know. Well, I mean, it, is it, he any it, better than Godfrey or uh, Godfrey and, and Keane? No. Probably not. In my they opinion, they have had Calvert Lewin injured. Yeah, I get that. That's a miss. Now you can't deny that. They for talk Everton. about Decore being another one of the long-term. Well, I, I, I was curious about that. They said Decore's been a long term. Uh, uh, Abdullah Decore started ten or fourteen league games. Started, so he's missed four games. That's all. So we can't say he's been out for a long time. He's a long injury list. The the one that's been missing, anyone would miss the centre forward. Anyone would. Do Arsenal would quite like to? Take yeah, I saw that today. In not, January. not happy with that. Well, of course he will, because he's a good young player, really good young player who might get very, very good. You know, if he if he continues to improve the way he has, uh, and and everyone can't afford to lose Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But would Dominic uh, been able to have bridged the gap that we've seen? Would Dominic Calvert-Lewin have been able to have done anything uh, against Liverpool? In midweek, that might have scored, might have might have kept it livelier for for longer than the yeah. ten minutes, fifteen yeah. minutes. Could he have done more against or getting hammered five two against Watford at home? Probably not. I mean, Even if he gets a couple, we can beat five four front to back. But 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 what I'm saying is, it's it's wrong to blame an injury. You see, where I think that that, that Benitez got really unlucky is that he took a job he'd coveted for a long time and tried like a bear to get, and if he just waited three months. Oh, you're saying he might have got Newcastle. <laughs> He'd have walked back to Newcastle, <laughs> which, which is the one he really wanted. Maybe Craig Hope will have a view on well, that. Well, this is what I'm interested in talking to Craig because mm-hmm. he will know. I could listen. I could be totally wrong about that. Yeah. I, I think that's the one place he would be. He would be welcomed yeah. back there like the Messiah. Yeah. So, in my so, view. So the thing about Everton is, no, Everton's in a terrible place. The atmosphere at the, in, in midweek was shocking. I heard many ex-Evertonian players. Everton players who are there talking about being toxic. That's a really hard, that's a really big word to be using uh, uh, when you're talking about Everton. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of guessing even when we, we were struggling with Howard and avoiding relegation that one season, it wasn't a toxic environment they were playing well, in. Well, it wasn't because there was nobody there. That <laughs> <laughs> was about 12,000 there. But it wasn't toxic. I remember easy. seeing Howard trolleying that big backside of his up and down the right-hand side. And Reedy couldn't get in. Um, uh, it, 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 was a, it was a terrible no, I, I time mean, for the I mean, club, even, I mean, even further down, I mean, even nearer now when, when Howard went back for the third time and had that mm. brush with relegation, remember? Mm. The, the, was it the last yeah, day? We should have put you down. That was the last day. We should day. have put you down. Oh, you there, were, there were two, Wimbledon, which was... What do you mean what? I, I mean, some tremendous goals. Fantastic day. comeback from two down. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's it. But that, but I never got the yeah. impression it was toxic that year. Yeah, a lot of predictions on Everton actually winning that three two as well. There were. Was there? Um, and Coventry went there, and uh, uh, Farrelly stuck one uh, in the top. Oh, no, yeah. he didn't get beat. Oh, he drew. When Dion scored, that's right. You were panicking yeah. for I your I was panicking a wee bit because yeah. I was doing that game, <laughs> and Gareth uh, yeah. Farrelly smashed one in the top corner. I remember that. And goal. I can tell you that Strack was determined. He wanted was a result. He? Yes. Oh, oh yes. Very much. I'd, I'd, I'd spoken to Strack before that, and he was he very. He was very keen to get a result. I can tell you that. That's yeah. only because we used to gub him when he was at Manchester United. <laughs> no, well, yeah. maybe, but you didn't gub us at Highfield Road. Oh, we arrested half our team. Oh, get for off. The cup every, final. Well, every year. For the cup final, we arrested yeah. Willie Carr, team. Hunt, Andy, it's behind you. No need to die for that, son. There's a perfectly good <laughs> net behind you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Was that you? That against Evan, that Yes. Goal? Andy Rankin in goal. Brian LeBone and uh, the rest of the boys. It's behind you, lads. Don't uh, worry. Uh, anyway, so that, it's not good to see um, my team, my club, the way they are. Where they are. Okay, well, that's a very, as I said, we needed a thoughtful yeah. conversation about Everton. Let's turn our attention now to two out of the, the, uh, the uh, strugglers. Derby County with their one point after two, two deductions 
during the course of this season. Uh, and the mess, by the way, and I'll talk to Craig about this as well. Yeah. I wonder what a, an independent football administrator would have done about saying to Mel Morris, sorry, you can't have the club because it might end up in a bit of a mess. Local businessman, worth a fortune, yeah. the right sort. You know, how, how would an independent football regulator have, have avoided the mess that Derby are in? It wouldn't. That's why it's a daft idea. Would, would, would an independent regulator have, have had anything more to say about the takeover at Newcastle United? No, because this British government Said, wanted yeah. Saudi yeah. money at yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. Um, so, so you're not for an independent absolutely governance not. of football? Not am I, actually, but I, I wouldn't know what it is. But, nonsense. Um, it's nonsense. Who's, that, who's hiding up? Tracy Crouch Tracy or somebody? Crouch. And, um, or sorted others. Yeah, the usual others. Okay. Let's talk to Craig Hope. Uh, Craig, uh, Northeast correspondent for the Daily Mail. Daily Mail? Yes, oh. joins us. How are you, my friend? Very good, guys. Very good. Although I think it's important, I should say, that in, in better times, in a COVID-free world, I would have been sat with you guys yes. now having a beer, yes. recording this podcast, because the plan was for me to be in Qatar ah, this week, right. doing, yeah. some, doing, doing some World Cup stuff one year okay. out, and I think those guys were going to... We're going to meet for a beer, weren't we, and record this. But uh, as it stands, uh, I'm currently on Tyneside, where I'm looking out my kitchen window, and we've got the barbecue covered. Excellent. The cover is being blown about violently in the wind. Oh, yes. Uh, it's, it's about <laughs> minus one degree. It's damp. It's windy. So, I mean, all, all things considered, it's quite a nice day on Lovely Tyneside. day, I would say, then. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 no, I, I, I wish I was there with you guys. It's, it's, well, first of all, so do we. That, yeah. I, as you say, was the plan. Um, it's not, it, I wouldn't say it's blowing a gale. And no. It's, 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 it's a little it's breezy. It's a little nippy. But, yeah. 27 degrees here. Is with, it? With not a cloud <laughs> in the sky. So, <laughs> it's a bit nippy today, Craig. So. <laughs> I might get a jumper for later. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, you work on a patch that Jeff Shreves, former colleague of ours, uh, yeah. always said, if I had my choice, if I wasn't doing this job, which he's done very well for a long time, mm -hmm. tunnel reporter, I would love to work in the Northeast. Is it as much fun yeah. as Shreves, he thinks? Listen, we say that, and it's for all the wrong reasons to a degree, because it's absolutely bonkers. And this is a football club which puts itself on the back pages of the newspapers continually, mm. but never for footballing reasons. <laughs> rarely, 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 rarely for anything that happens on the pitch. But, but that is why, guys, that is why we've still got a thriving patch up here. You, you look at other patches around the country which have fallen, a, fallen away to a degree, but every national newspaper has got a guy in the northeast because of everything I described, whether mm. it's, uh, you know, and, and listen, Sadly, the, the arrival of, of, of Eddie Howe in terms of news that there's no training ground fights anymore. I'm devastated. I'm absolutely <laughs> good. Uh, yes. Eddie, Howe, Eddie Howe's coming in for three weeks. Everybody likes each other. It's all yep. settled down. What's going on? I'm, yeah. I'm not used to this. All, all the moles are hibernating. Come on. Pards wasn't uh, very happy. With so. me. When Pards was up there, Craig, he wasn't very happy with me when I reported a fridge had gone across, uh, <laughs> had gone across. Gone across uh, the kitchen at the training. <laughs> no, that won't happen. Happen under Eddie. That won't happen because no, Eddie will manage holistically. You have to get let, used to that. Let's just park. Yeah. Let's park Newcastle for a minute because you strayed this week into territory that I'm also fascinated about, Derby County. Mm. What on earth yeah. is happening there? Well, you've, you've, you've got a situation whereby if any buyer comes in now, as it stands, they are inheriting an amount of debt 
which vastly outweighs the value of the football club. Now, that makes no business sense to, 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 to accept to take on at least, at least £60 million worth of debt and more for a club which is in the championship, at a fair, with a fair wind in the championship, is worth 35 to 40. In League One, 20 to 25, like I say, with a fair wind. So why is anybody going to pay more than that? Now, the situation you've got is whereby a change in the law means that HMRC, the tax man, is the preferred creditor, and they have to be satisfied first in terms of their debt for any new owner coming in. Now, their debt currently stands at £29.3 million, I believe it is. Now, I've spoken to some of those who have seen the books, who are attached to would-be investors, and they say, unless HMRC, they're talking about quartering the bill, you know, cutting 75% of their bill, down to around £7.5 million, then there is no way this deal can make any sense. Now, that is HMRC in isolation. You've then got a £20 million loan to MSD that they argue <laughs> as well. MSD will have to accept they've made a bad loan and, and accept a, a couple of million pounds on this. You, 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 you cannot at the moment make any logical sense for, for, for buying Derby County. The problem they've got with HMRC is if HMRC do agree with the administrators to, to cut, the, cut their, uh, their debt in order to facilitate the sale, that then sets a very dangerous legal precedent in terms of every other football mm. from the land, and I believe there are 20, 25 in the AFL who have outstanding HMRC bills. They can then say, well, how about, you know, why, why don't we go into administration? Yeah. If, it, if, 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 if we're going to lose 75% of what we owe you, it's probably worth a 12-point deduction. Oh, that's great. So bit of, bit of well, funny situation. enough, I was going to say to Craig, why don't they just go into administration? Well, that, that's why I think, sorry, Craig, I thought Derby was smart when they did no, because they knew they were going to get yeah. done nine points for financial irregularities. So just get on with it. Hmm. What, about liquidating yeah. the what about liquidating the company? Is that, is that a feasible operation, op option? Oh, okay, well, well listen, listen, I mean, so see, you've got Derby on administration at the moment and yeah. the administrators are in there and the administrators are being very positive in, in, in that they're making all the right noises and saying they've got people who are interested in buying the club and they're confident the deal will be done. Now, the guys I've spoken to have said that the optimism of the administrators is not reflective of reality, really, and those closer to the situation believe that unless HMRC agree to cut this debt, then there is every chance that the club will be liquidated and will, will be faced with the, you know, one of the greatest, most storied clubs in the, in the land going out of business, which, which, which cannot and should not be allowed to happen. What it's, does that mean, though, Craig? A tragedy. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember Middlesbrough doing that and they were reborn within 48 yeah. hours. I mean, what, what happens if, if Derby are liquidated? I thinking. Couldn't somebody pick it up and start again? Clubs, no, the, the club ceases to exist. And they can't. I need it can start again, but they start again in whatever tier it is, nine, wow. ten, I don't know which tier it is that would come in up. But <laughs> Derby County, as we know it today, would cease to exist if the club is liquidated. They have to find, uh, they have to find a way to reduce the debt and they have to find a buyer. Now, the guys I've spoken to are looking at this situation and say liquidation is more likely than not as it stands at the moment wow. because they don't think the HMRC will, will cut a deal because of the dangerous precedent it sets. But, and this is the but, this is football. Football doesn't work to, to ordinary rules. There is always a chance in football mm. that something will be done. You know, some, someone or something comes from left field. And also as well, the government don't want Derby County to, to go out of business. It's a community asset. Mm -hmm. From what we're told, Boris Johnson wasn't particularly happy when Burry went to the boards uh, a couple of years ago. I don't think they will want Derby to go. So my sources tell me the one 
bodies the, 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 who can convene to, to bring all this together is the government. If they can get the Treasury, Mel Morris, Darby's owner, MSD, a prospective buyer, all in one room and flush out a plan to save Derby County, then it is possible. Do you but know what I think we need, Craig? Moment, I think we need an independent regulator, and this would never have happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But listen, the, the, the situation there is grim. It's not very nice. Uh, Wayne Rooney spoke yesterday saying liquidation isn't an option now. I know he's probably sort of duty-bound to say that to a degree, but the point of the story we wrote in midweek was just to highlight how bad some Mm. of those who are closer to it than any of us are believe this situation really is. That would be be tragic. We wish them well because it's a fabulous football club and and deserves better. What would be the biggest that we've lost? Would that be Derby? Rangers. No, we never lost Rangers. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Get off. Don't yeah, listen to Derby would be the Dar- biggest, Darby wouldn't Darby it? Would, Darby would be the biggest. One. Must Darby, be, yeah, we, when you think about it. We've ever lost it. Yeah, yeah. it would be. Yeah. Goodness. You know, would be first division champion. So. Yeah. Right, yeah. here we go then. The elephant in the room. <laughs> How bad are things at Newcastle United? <laughs> it depends what you mean by bad. Okay, so... If we're talking in isolation of the, the league position and the situation they're in, very bad. But I'm going to tell you, on Tuesday night, I had this conversation with someone at the club this morning. Now, a 1-1 joy at Norwich should not be uplifting. But honestly, guys, to be in the stadium on Tuesday night, it strangely was. It was, it was bizarre in many ways. Because if you'd said to me going into the game on Tuesday, you're going to come out with this having drawn at home in Norwich. Again, you have to win. Yet feel encouraged and positive about Newcastle's prospects. You know, I would have thought you were mad, but we did. Listen, I think the sending off and, yeah, the, I was going to say, and the way the play, the way yeah. the players responded had it played a part in that. But at the same time, guys, honestly, it was the first time in a long time I've been inside St. James's and you could feel the toxicity that's been present for so long had evaporated. This was for once everybody on the same page, supporters, players, management staff, everybody wanting the, the, the team to win and do well. And that hasn't been the, the case in recent times under Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce. And I left just thinking, do you know what? No, no matter what happens, there is a sense of supporters having their football club back here. Uh, you could see that in terms of the effort of the players. That was There was a renewed energy, a renewed application, the response of the crowd to going a man down. Now, once over, I used that word, a few weeks ago under Steve Bruce, that situation would have turned toxic, and I think Norwich would have run out winners, but they didn't. The rally behind Eddie, and I think the presence of new owners in Eddie Howe on the touchline has made all the difference in the short term. But to go back to the bigger picture, well, listen, it's not very good, is it? They haven't won in 14 now. Uh, There's some tough games had, coming up, Craig, haven't you, as well? And you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. They've had a relatively easy start. The, the, the elephant yeah. in the room is the fact that they've had the easy games. They've got the tough games to come. And they've got Burnley at home to tomorrow, uh, which is absolutely must win. But after that, they've got a run of four, which is incredibly yeah. difficult. And the, the real difficulty they're finding at the moment, guys, is and I think without a shadow of a doubt, they need reinforcements in January to strengthen that squad. They need to sign quality. They need to sign leadership. They need to make a sign in like a... I think a Brian Kilcline type who Kevin brought in as his first time in the uh-huh. 92. They've identified that. They need a real a real leader in there to, to, to drag them towards survival. The problem they're finding is players at the moment are non-committal. Those top targets are mm. saying, come back to me in January. Of course. If you're Absolutely. Okay. I was just going to say to you, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be the most difficult thing that Eddie Howe can do is to convince someone who's playing Premier League football in particular. I mean, if you're, if you're bringing mm. players for the Championship, and I'm sure that that's not what Newcastle fans would be looking for, is no. Championship-type players coming in. But if you're bringing, trying to bring Premier League players in and they're sitting there thinking, hold on a minute, you're bottom of the league. I'm, I'm playing in the Premier League. Might not be in the team all the time, but I'm actually in it. Or I'm going to go to Newcastle and what? Drop down to the Championship? It's a hard sell. 
it, it is a lot of the conversations so far featured the, the term relegation release clause or you know alone with the people of permanent because nobody really wants to commit to a club that as it stands statistically odds wise is probably going to be in the championship next season and this is why the word budget has never been discussed so much is being made of how much of the Saudis going to splurge in January well you've got to have a player available to buy to spend yeah. money so at yeah. the moment budget hasn't really come into it until they've actually got players saying well well, yeah, OK, I'm willing to sign up to this project. The, the rest the of the league, difficult. Craig, as you know very well, have, have, have ganged up and, and, and brought about this, this temporary ban on, on, on spending mm. uh, as far as uh, the commercial activities are concerned. Yeah. Has anybody considered that if Newcastle were to be relegated, uh, financial fair play regulations in, in the championship are a whole lot more stringent? And as Rain, uh, uh, Reading, uh, Derby... Uh, Sheffield Wednesday and a whole host of Bournemouth when they came up will tell you if you break them you're, you're in trouble to a degree but I think Newcastle the one thing about inheriting a football club from Mike Ashley is you've got massive scope to spend because he didn't he's done all the cost cutting so you come in in terms of financial fair play there's a hell of a lot of wiggle room because the ship has been ran so tightly under under Mike Ashley's uh, Mike Ashley's ownership, so I wouldn't have thought that was a, a concern in the short term. In, in any case, as well, you go down for a year, you spend money, you get promoted again. It's no longer it's no longer the EFL's concern. So I think listen, relegation. They want to avoid relegation, and I think certainly in terms of Amanda Stavely and her husband, who have in effect being given the management contract in the short term to, to run this football club. They don't want relegation on their watch because that then doesn't reflect well. Mm. Back in Riyadh, you know, they, they want to be part of this project going forward in terms of a, a hands-on role. So Amanda and her husband and the current British ownership more than anyone don't re- want relegation. But I think in the real longer-term grand scheme of things, in terms of the Saudis really are as committed as they say they are, then dropping it in the championship wouldn't be the disaster it would be for other clubs because we'd expect them to come back straight away. Yeah, that, that's also true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Howe, very popular choice at the moment. But ha- had Geordie's yeah. uh, had a, a blank sheet of paper and Rafa Benitez had been available, Ooh. would he have been the one? For the owners, undoubtedly, would have been. If Rafa Benitez hadn't gone to Everton, the owners would have come in on the Thursday and Rafa Benitez would have been appointed on the Friday. Why didn't you get a move no on there <laughs> and save my club? <laughs> For God's sake, yeah. Craig. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> <Time> and shocking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this sounds like a bizarre thing to say. Bearing in mind, we've had four bloody years of writing about this potential yeah. takeover, yeah. and it actually took everyone by surprise. <laughs> it, came, it, it, it came out of the blue, and, and everyone was relatively unprepared. I think even the new owners weren't expecting to go through as quickly as the as it did. I mean, I, I, it, was, it was a Wednesday, and I was sat at home. I was sat right where I am now in the in the kitchen. I got a call saying, "This is happening. You want to be quick. You want to put something out now. This is hours away from being completed." I was I'd seriously give over. Honestly, we've been here before. I'm not making a fool of myself. Mm. You then speak to one or two of those and you think, hold on a minute, this, this really is happening. Uh, so I put something out on, on Twitter really quickly just saying, you know, sources tell me this is happening. This time and from there, <laughs> it gathered momentum and, and, and all of a sudden it became something which, which was very real. And I got a, I got a tip off that uh, the guys were in the uh, the the new owners were in the Jasmine Dean house. This hasn't been reported anywhere. I know other journalists are on to this as well, but it hadn't been reported. So 
Uh, the new owners were in Jesendine House, which is a, a very nice spot. You guys probably know it. Not far from very nice. Very nice, very nice. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Very I lovely. can't afford yeah. to go there. That's my problem. Yeah, we I, have to I, pay I, the bill I, these I, days. Yes. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so even at this point, I'm thinking that they might not be on time site, you know. So, so I went down on the on the off chance. That I thought, you know, I'll jump in the car and see where it takes me. But I just walked the dog. I've got a, I've got baby stick on my shoulder <laughs> from my newborn. And I jumped in the car. So I'm, I'm outside Jesendine House. To my horror, I realised they're there. To my horror, I realised they're happy for me to go in. So I'm, I'm walking into Jesmondine House to meet the new owners of Newcastle. They realised I was there, and I said, they said, listen, you can come in, have a beer with us, but we're not here, you're not here. So I've walked in dressed as a dog owner with baby sick on my shoulder. Nice. And what a first impression to make. Yeah, for else. So, but anyway, they were, they were good as gold. They told me everything that was, that was going to happen. Uh, they invited me back the next day and said, listen, it's going to be announced tomorrow. You can come and work here. When it goes ahead, you can have an interview with Amanda in a bed in a, tree, which, uh, in, a, in a street, which was great. Uh, but actually, on a, on a little separate point, dress-wise, I'm massively overcompensated the next day. So I went back smarter than most people were dressed for a wedding, <laughs> to the point where I looked like a member of staff at Jesmond Dean House. People were asking me for drinks. Uh, at, at, at one point, a lady pulled up outside and thought I was the car valet. Uh, <laughs> she almost handed me the keys to my car to go park it. But, but no, listen, that... that that 24 hours, and you guys were probably following it from afar in Qatar. And I know, I know you guys have got a, a, an, an opinion on this, bearing in mind the relationship between Saudi in, in being sports and all, or, or, or in ways that has affected your colleagues and stuff. And I totally get that and understand that. But for that 24 hours on time side, it was a brilliant story. And it comes back to the point you made at the start about Jeff, Jeff Shreves. You know, this patch just has the propensity to mm. throw up the, the most brilliant stories. And as a journalist, selfishly, We've just had the great story in the world potentially land on our doorstep. Well, I'm, I'm whilst we're being honest with each there. other, Craig, two, two things. Once, I understand what you're saying about being a member of staff. I once tried to check into a Weatherspoons in Bridgend uh, with one of the wedding guests, but that, that, that obviously uh, didn't go very far, my, my request to uh, take a room from her. Um, but, but secondly, I also on that Wednesday got a call um, from a very good friend of mine at uh, Sky who I can't name, Craig David. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's actually David Craig. David Craig, I think we that. Who said there's something happening. And of course, it was a whirlwind. Now listen, our only problem with, with, with Saudi Arabia is that for four years in this part of the world, they stole our output, yeah. Craig, mm. you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and 400 of yeah. our colleagues lost, lost jobs job. as a result. Yeah. And it was a, it was a huge mm. problem in this part of the world. But I, I, and, and I, I repeat again, and I, I said it to Andy, and he will back me up on this. When, when the story first broke, and I said, oh, I wish it was anybody but Newcastle. Mm. The reason I said mm. that was because here we were back in confrontation again, <laughs> and I didn't want mm. more confrontation. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't that I didn't wish for the Saudis to take over Newcastle. No. It's a fabulous football club. It's wonderful just, football club. up getting battered by Newcastle. <laughs> well, That's why. Yeah, o- over something that... that you know, we, we were in the right about. But yeah. anyway, it, 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 that, that is, I hope, in the past. Yeah. And I do wish mm. the tune well. It, it is a, a, a fantastic area, as we've Brilliant. been saying for some time. And it's a, it's a wonderful mm. football club. And, and, you know, so much and, and so many of my football memories oh, come from that period of time covering Newcastle. Yeah. It was wonderful. I've spoken to you about this uh, for different pieces down the years, haven't they, in terms of, you know, Mm. You've told me stories about going to Sir John's place yes. down at Winyard oh, Road, yes. having Keegan <laughs> being there, and yes. you, uh, you know all, all the decadence that involved, and, and all the rest of it. And you know, 
I know what you think of Newcastle. I also appreciate the uh, the 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 motivation behind your argument for opposing the takeover. Of course, I do. And as a journalist, I was I was in the middle of that, and I was I was hearing it from both mm. sides mm. in terms of even some of your colleagues at at BN were very good in terms of outlining exactly what had what had gone on. Uh, so thankfully, we're in a position now where that looks to have been resolved. Absolutely, to a, yep. to a so, degree. Yeah, uh, all bets are off. We're back where we were. Good luck to them. If you can if you can stop arguing with Newcastle fans, yeah, that, that would be. That, by the way, that would help me as well, honestly, Craig. But listen, let me tell you, Craig. I've got a quick one about Newcastle. I mean, I love Newcastle fans. I love the, the, the area. It's a it's a it's what I would call a proper footballing area. I mean, it lives, it eats, is, and yeah. breathes its football club. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You'll never go to another ground where you'll see more replica shirts on fans than at St. James's Park. That That's an absolute certainty. Mm. But I remember my first ever episode of what it was like at Newcastle when I was playing for Dundee United in an old thing called the Texaco Cup. Mm. And, we, <laughs> and we drew Newcastle. And we played them up at uh, up at uh, Tannadice and we beat them 2-0. And then we went down to, Tanada, uh, down to St. James's and I scored, I think, early on. So we're cruising here. I think we're cruising. Well, about half an hour to go, and there was only about maybe 15,000, 20,000 in the ground. So we're about, we're about 25 minutes to go, Craig. The crowd started getting excited and, oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's going on here? We're battering you here. What are you getting excited about? Yeah. And I turned to the touchline, and this mountain of a man came out the, 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 the dugout, and he, he had it, and I thought, who the hell is that? And you know when you do a warm-up, it's sometimes a gentle thing. Well, this yeah. thing started doing 100-metre sprints up and down the touchline <laughs> like an absolute express train. And I'm going, bloody <laughs> hell. Then comes the shirt, comes off, and then I see it's Malcolm McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's my, he came yeah. on the pitch and he absolutely destroyed us in half an hour. <laughs> and I thought, wow, yeah, yeah. if I'm going to play in England, I better get better. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you, you mentioned Malcolm there. I, I saw Malcolm for the first time last week in the press box. He hadn't really been in since before COVID, and you know, wow, Malcolm. You say that there, Malcolm was a superstar. Oh. Wasn't he? he really was. He oh. was in terms of my old man always says to me, you know, probably the the best player he ever saw was I he ever saw was Gascoigne or, or Beardsley. Yeah, yeah. But the most exciting oh, he ever Malcolm saw was Malcolm McDonald. He yeah. said he had that ability to electrify a stadium. And I, I've spent a little bit of time, I uh, did an interview with him a few years ago, and just, uh, he can talk as well, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he can. Yeah. But, what, what, but, you know, what wonderful stories. I was quite happy to sit there for the four hours or whatever it yeah. was. Uh, change the batteries on my ticket phone a couple of times, but no, nah, brilliant. What, oh, a what, what a player. Craig, thank you so much what for spending player. your time with us today. Um, I, and hopefully I, we'll see you again. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's come get it on us. when, yeah, when you're across. Us. And uh, do take my best wishes to <laughs> to the North East and Newcastle specifically, if you will. Uh, and um, I'm glad we've had this well, opportunity. Well, the good news is the UK is back on Qatar's green list. Yes. So that's good. Yes, I hope travel sometime in the new year. Oh, travel should be easy. A week too late for me, but just to go back there, Andy. Andy said, you know, the, the small matter of the Texaco Cup, as if it was some irrelevant sort of thing. That was the last thing Newcastle won. Oh no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, was it, 19, was 19, it that year? 74 something like that. No, Newcastle last won the Texaco Cup in nineteen seventy-five, and it, it that was that year. as well in terms of it's, in terms of what we're trying to illustrate. Oh, you know how how bad things have been here. That was the last thing they won. <laughs> 
Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Oh Let's well. leave it there and hope Let's that that yeah. situation is remedied double quick. Thanks again, Craig. Nice Been really good. Julian, good to talk to you guys. Thanks, bud. Cheers. Good stuff. And, 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 and by the way, as good as and better than, in my view, as good as and better than anybody else working that patch. And there are some good guys yeah, there in are. that part of the world, yeah. but Craig is generally first. Great footballing part of the country. He's not very popular at different times, but that for me... Well, you all know what that feels well, like that in the me, Northeast. <laughs> no, that for me is the benchmark of someone who, who is an operator, yeah. that you, you, you are fearless and will go into places where mm. people don't necessarily want you to be. Yeah. But, but Craig turns around some really good stuff up there. So thank you once again to Craig Hope um, for spending time with us. And, and it will be good going forward, Andy, if yeah. we can show him around our manor. Yeah, it'd be nice. The more, the more of the boys that come out here and have a look, the better it will be, I think, for everyone concerned. Yeah, ultimately. Uh, let's hope that's very much the case. Yeah, um, let's hope so. There are times we don't necessarily help ourselves in this part of the world. No, that's true. <laughs> but we're learning. We, we are learning. Uh, get in touch via Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we shall see you going forward. Absolutely. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.